Now see, this would actually be a good podcast if we knew what we were doing. <laughs> he needs permission. So I, I, I can't be responsible. <laughs> and I just start going ham with the pitchfork on this horse. Next week on Soggy Pancakes. I'm one of your hosts, Nathan. And I'm the other host, Wilson. And don't forget to go check out SoggyPancakes.com. Enjoy the episode. Peace. All right, welcome back. The uh, Soggy Pancakes Podcast. Yep, and we're here with our special guest. Please introduce yourself. Uh, Mr. T, the man of a thousand names, Mr. Otherwise Known, Justin James Thompson. It's absolutely <laughs> an honor and a privilege to be here with the hosts, to be a guest on uh, Soggy Pancakes Podcast. Soggy sure. Pancakes, so thank you very much, guys. Dude, we're Absolutely. glad to have you. So this, if you listen to our past episodes, this is the teacher who bought our merch. We're <laughs> yes. very excited to introduce. Yep. That's, that's another name. Yes, <laughs> that's, yes that's, that's one of my other names. The teacher who bought the uh, Soggy Pancake swag, bought the hoodie. Yeah, and we're very glad. We're very honored to. For the, the, for the listeners, if you had one word to describe the hoodie, what would you, what would you say? Pretty, it's pretty, it's, it's, I don't know, like one word? One word. It's what very interesting. Not intricate. Like you guys added more to it. Like it's not just a screen print. You guys did the sleeve. You guys yes. did stuff on the back. Yeah. Like you guys put a lot of thought and effort into that. It's, it's very, it's very swaggy. I like. That's why I call it the swag. Yes, yeah, so <laughs> swag. swag. It's very, right, I'll take it's that. a very swaggy hoodie. You get, it's not just a regular cheap screen print hoodie. It's probably the most expensive hoodie I've ever bought. And keep in mind, I'm from New York. I've shopped at Yankee Stadium and bought. Even though I'm not a Yankees fan, I'm a Red Sox fan. But it, yeah, it, it was, it was, it was top of the line. Good stuff. Hey, yes. I mean, Absolutely. if you want to buy our swaggy merch, it's, it's soggypancakes.com. I mean, <laughs> go to the merchandise. Yeah, yes. so um, we're basically just going to start talking about who you are and uh, who you are as a... You're, how do we know you? How do we know you? That's yeah, how story. do we know me? Okay, so my first year at our school, yes. uh, I came in and it was your sophomore year. Yes. And I had an unfortunate incident happen prior. Unfortunately, my unfortunately or unfortunately, if you were looking at my mother had passed away mm-hmm. prior to the school year. She was very sick. So I missed like the first three days of school. I had to go back to New York. So I came in. You guys had a bunch of subs. And I remember walking I remember in. I remember that. And yes. you guys thought I was another sub. You're like, wait a minute. You're going to be our actual te- your actual teacher this <laughs> yeah. year? I'm like, yeah, that's it. It's going to be me. I remember coming in a couple of days late. And uh, yeah, man, I, I fell in love with your whole group, your entire, the class now that's seniors. Um, that's, that's how we met. I came in and you guys originally thought I was going to be a sub. You had no idea I was going to be sticking around. Yeah. And that's it. So it was your sophomore year. Yeah. And that's how, yeah, that's how, that's how we met, man. And you guys were just a great, great group. Yeah. You guys made it just fun to be a teacher. You guys made it fun to, you know, I, I, you guys made it fun to come into work. Hey, Every you made morning. it fun to come into school. Are <laughs> you kidding me? I, I appreciate it. I remember uh, <laughs> the first day you you said you gave a little like, you know, introduction and you said something about like kind of like what you the rules or what you want, like what you care about, what you your pet peeve, stuff like that. I remember it was just like so casual yeah. and we already <laughs> knew like, you know, this is going to be a fun class. You treated because... us like high schoolers and that's yes. what I really liked. And oh, well, you did like one of the biggest things I remember is like that no, no other teachers did and noticing as going to the community college classes, like this is something they do in college, and they don't really recognize it in high school. Is you just said, if you need to go to the bathroom, just go to the bathroom. Yeah. And that was always like for other teachers for some reason. Like after you pointed it out, it's like it doesn't really matter that much to ask to go to the bathroom. Like you should just be able to just go to the be bathroom. able to go. Yeah. And I think just go. You've got to go. Especially again, like at the bathroom is ten feet away. 
Yeah. Like, if you like, if you get in the trouble from here to the bathroom, like we can have a conversation. Right. So yeah, I just I say if you guys got to go, go as long as it's not you know you're not taking advantage of it. Mm-hmm. And I was asked like, okay, show of hands, who wants to be treated like a kid? No, who wants to be treated like an adult? I mean, yeah. So I just said like, yeah, if you got to go, just go. You shouldn't have to ask. Some of it now is for like, so the, the bathroom thing, and let's not like, I don't want to get off on a tangent on the bathroom <laughs> policy. Yeah. But you got me on it, no, but it's true. Some of it's for like your own safety. That's what like some right. students don't realize about like late passes and being in the hallway. We're not doing it to be like bullies or being controlling, but let's face it, we have to have the uncomfortable conversations like active shooters or like just a real right, part of right. our society that could happen. And God forbid everyone's always in the bathroom all the time and there's an active shooter and you're just in the bathroom or you're in the hallway unaccounted for, where right. God forbid they call a lockdown and they're looking for the active shooter and there's 30 kids in the hallway. Yeah. How do you know who's who? You know what I mean? And they even tell teachers too, like, you know, I if I'm on planning, I'm probably not doing a lockdown. I'm probably going out looking for the active shooter myself. Yeah. And they're like, you probably shouldn't do that because a good chance the active shooter is going to be a middle-aged white male. Like most, yeah. I, I fit the description of pretty much every serial killer, middle-aged, <laughs> white male, never married, no kids. So here I am roaming the hallways. Thank God I have my badge. But if a cop doesn't see the badge right away, they're going to be asking for it. You know what yeah. I mean? Yeah. Now, again, if there's kids in the hallway, they need to be like, you. Got, it's for really your own safety. That's why right. like, teachers are such, it pains them. But again, it's not a control issue, a bullying issue, or anything else. It's just like you guys have to be accounted for, and we care. That's why, like, we want to pass. Well, why do you need to pass? So it's like that that chain of chain of accountability. Like yeah. like like uh, I'm trying to think of the word like uh, not chain of custody, whatever the case is. But like, hey, you were with this teacher. You were under their supervision and accountability. And when you show me that pass, I know that you were under their care and accountability. Right. Now it's being transferred over to me. Now that you're back in my class, or vice versa. Yeah. So like that's one thing for people. Is again, I didn't mean to get too like yeah serious stuff. But that's really why it is. And sometimes students forget that. Yeah, no, that's that's what I was thinking is like that's a really like that's a perspective that teen, high schoolers just high schoolers don't look don't at. Realize, yeah. Because it like they just don't we don't really know and I think that's like looking at it from that perspective changes everything. Yeah, and teachers so, don't have those conversations either with kids mm. to be like, "Hey guys, it's just for your own safety." Like, you know what Miss uh, our our principal's number one job is? I think I've told you guys this your class. You guys were on the number one or What's her number one priority the second she wakes up in the morning? The second she opens her eyes, the second she kids walks get into class on time. Kids get into class <laughs> on time. No, it, it's safety. Yeah, that's what. Yeah. It, it doesn't matter. People say SAT scores, passing the AP exams, getting in the college. Right? People have you know getting the class on time, getting good grade, whatever the case is. No, like the number one priority above all else for teachers and principals is like your safety. You know, like Maslow's yeah. hierarchy of needs and stuff like that. Like yeah. the, that little tri- pyramid you guys will learn more about in college. I'm sure. Yeah, it's like your safety. And that, I think that's, that's what good... matters: your health, safety, your nourishment. Like everything else is really secondary. Yeah, that's why like I'm always the teacher with snacks to make sure you guys got food. I got a little mini fridge back here, like yes, sir. And, and showing that someone cares and that you're not just physically safe, but you know, you have some kind of mental, spiritual nourishment on top of that. I remember. Um, uh, I've said this before. Um, teachers, I feel like most of the teachers, at least at this school, treat the students as if they're automatically in the wrong. Yeah. It's like, you know, just instances of like, oh, walking down the hallway and a teacher's like, oh, what are you doing? You're not supposed to be here. Go back to class. Right. I mean, I mean, I can kind of see where they're coming from. But then again, they don't give you a chance. They automatically think you're in the wrong. And definitely uh, it's not the case with your class. So that was, that was. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Oh, good. Yeah. Do you notice that (laughs) with other teachers or do you feel like. Yeah. What do you, what's your opinion on that point? I don't know. Maybe that's just a student point of view. but Yeah. 
No, it's like everything else in life. A small majority ruin it for everybody else. Yeah. Seriously, it's a small majority of kids, you know, and, and we know what goes on, especially in the 900 building. Yeah. We're talking about, you know, the shout out, shout out to uh, the, the Hopewell Onion Deluxe on Instagram. <laughs> we shout them out, whoever, whoever you may be living in anonymity, um, talking about the 900 building. So, like, when stuff goes on, it just, it just gets aggravated and it builds up and it just automatically, like, you know, teachers are humans, too. It's something we forget, too. Yeah. You know, I've had, oh, you're a teacher. Uh, I've had conversations with people, and it's like, oh, you're a teacher? And I'm like, yeah, because you're a teacher doesn't mean you know everything or that you're always perfect or, like, you know, like, being a mm. teacher means you're willing to learn and grow all the time, and you, you're seeking knowledge all the time, and you're trying to do your best. But it's right. sometimes, like, it's easier just to be like, well, what are you guys doing? Because you, you, you do assume it sometimes just because a small majority mm-hmm up ruining it for the majority and you start you know that's really just what happens it's unfortunate it's an aggravating thing for students who like aren't in that small majority yeah but it it makes sense that those rules are it's like your assumptions yeah it's like your basketball game episode yeah Yeah. that's the stupid that you couldn't go to the basketball game even though like yeah for whatever reason for whatever trivial it could have been like a date like who knows like who's they don't know who's walking into the basketball basketball game. right like we know who like what we're well, doing you know who like, you all, all yeah everyone else knows who you but if for someone who's new yeah it's just so i think it's kind it. of fair on both sides like i think it's fair for both sides to get annoyed with the other side if that makes sense it is and that's going to happen in life yeah and that's just how it is you can't really so do weird, anything yeah about but it. you always feel like you're in the wrong you're automatically in the wrong yeah so but so i also have um something to ask you about so what i've noticed of all the teachers here i feel like you definitely host the most clubs and you care the most about students what 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 brings you to take all these clubs in and like supporting our podcast for instance too yeah uh a couple different reasons for one if it's important to you guys it's important to me it it really is and you need so and here's the part where i get misty-eyed interior (laughs) i really really do no it's like everyone deserves everyone deserves to have someone who's always there for them right Mm -hmm. and no matter what you might See, I'm serious. I really get choked. Really, I, I know I'm a very tough exterior, man. I'm like a big teddy bear. I can't help it. I, I do. That's the truth. I'm a very emotional person too, man. I, you know, so everyone deserves to have someone for them there all the time. Yeah. Regardless. Some people don't have, you know, sometimes we take for granted how good of a life we had. Yeah, and that's absolutely. it, man. And you guys really, uh, you know, some people don't have parents who are going to be at every game or parents right. who are going to come out and support you, you know. Yeah, as a student from our perspective, <clears throat> I greatly appreciate that. I mean, yeah, and it's noticeable. It's, it's like very, very noticeable. noticeable, and it's. Uh, I mean, come on! You yeah. bought a sweatshirt, and, you, <laughs> yeah, and then you like you guys, you there's know. three club like three club posters <laughs> hanging right outside your door. Yep, I do my Bible study club. I yes, do sir. hiking club. I go to all the theater shows. And if you guys ever ask me to go to a game, you know, I always go to all your games. Yeah, come on. So that's I think that's my favorite. Come on, like that's just so cool. I mean, not all not all teachers do that. I think you're like very good to, like, uh, I feel like teachers should look like you, you know, more and stuff like that. So I thought that was very interesting. Yeah, I do my best, guys. I really do love you guys, man. I uh, you go very very out of your way to help students and stuff like that. Well, thank you. It's for me. It's not even going out of my way. I really, I I truly enjoy doing it. Uh, a poster good. right there, Mark Twain. He was a satire. You know, he's he was an author, but he was a satirist and a humorist. And he has a lot of bunch of great quotes. And one of those quotes are, 
Um, the two best days in a person's life are the day you're born and the day you find out why. And you guys were asking me why I got into teaching. Like, when you find out why, it's like, yeah, this is why I was, you know. Interesting. <clears throat> meant to be here. Yeah, it, it truly is. It's just like when I wake up every morning, it's great. It's really great to be here, man. It's really good. Very interesting. So on the point of being a teacher, how, do you find, how did you find yourself going down that path? Um, so I always wanted to be a teacher, and I really wanted to be a gym teacher. And I still might. I was just talking to somebody in class today about that. Okay. I might switch and take the test, take the, the practice exam to be a gym teacher. Uh, so my uncle was a gym teacher. He was probably one of my greatest influences. He was just the coolest guy, big, yeah. gregarious guy, and, you know, loved to have fun. Loved, loved, again, coached all, all these different sports. Like, I, I kind of try to model myself after him, I guess. You know, he coached uh, football, basketball, lacrosse, all that stuff. Um, then at the last minute, I graduated in the year 2000, and computers was like the field to get into. So before, like, Jeff Bezos... And uh, Elon Musk, the big heavy hitters were like Bill Gates and Steve Jobs, right? right. And they were computers. So uh, at the very last minute, I said, I always wanted to go to school to be a teacher. I changed my mind because I wanted to be a billionaire. I, I really thought this is how it worked. Like, I couldn't understand why everybody wasn't going to school to be for computers. You're right. Like, yeah. what do you mean? They're millionaires. Like, these are the wealthiest people. So like, I just thought, like, you know, you go to school to be computers and you graduate making like half a million a year. Right. I just thought that's 18 years old. That's why I thought it worked. <laughs> Uh, it doesn't really work that way. And I came out and I got a job, coincidentally, in a school district as the like IT person. I'd okay. be like Miss Wallace or Miss Elliot, you know what I mean? So right. I was a, a, a junior network administrator because I was still like an entry-level position. So I worked under the head head guy. And I said, you know, it's, it's really no coincidence that I always wanted to be a teacher. I went to school for computers and I still ended up working in a school district. So I was the computer tech for a little while, just for a year at least. And then I remember like... It wasn't a bad job. It was a good job, but it wasn't what I saw myself doing the next 25, 40 years. You know what I mean? Right. Um, so I said, you know what? I said, uh, like, don't chase money. If there's a teachable moment, I was, I really thought even looking at jobs like computer programmers, making a quarter million dollars. Yeah, I was really just chasing the money. I, did, I had no real interest in doing computers until I found out how much. Because, again, I graduated the year 2000, new millennium, computers are the wave of the future, which they are. And computers are great when they work, and technology is great when it works. But when, <laughs> yeah. you're, when you're, you're the one who's got to fix it, someone's like over your shoulder waiting for you to fix your problem, and and you can't do it. Um, so then I went back to school. I said, I'm not chasing money. I want to do what I love, and I, I loved being in the school environment. I loved working with kids. Uh, as you said, like I, I have a, a job that allows me to pursue all of my passions in one. I mean, working with kids, teaching history. I can coach wrestling, lacrosse. You know, coach all the sports right. I enjoy. Do my hiking club. Do my Bible study club. Um, you know, I, I, with all the, the fights going on in our school, especially in the 900 building, I was going to start, I was going to start Mr. Thompson's fight club. <laughs> yeah. And I was going to have a, uh, you know, have a little fight club going here. So anyways, but yeah, it allows me to pursue all of my passions in one shot. And I really just, like I said, once I got into it, I was like, yeah, this is why I'm here. This is why I was meant to be here. I love doing this. And this is, you know, this is it. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. So, um, has this been your, has so you, you worked at uh, IT and then you, you became a teacher. Was there any other jobs in between there that you oh yeah was worth mentioning? Oh yeah. So let's see. I mean, if you want to go over to my 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 career, I started off in high school slanging slanging beef at Taco Bell. It was yeah. A joke, right? Yeah. I worked at Taco Bell. I was on the street. Yeah. And all my friends worked there, and we just had so much fun just just raising uh, 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 heck. <laughs> Trying to keep this clean. Yeah, we did because everyone just worked there. It wasn't even right. about the money, and we were in high school. So then. 
Through the first time in college, I worked in the restaurants and catering. I worked in a catering hall. I worked at TJFs. I worked at a Friday's. Worked right. at a seafood place. Because when you're in restaurant business, you go from place to place, so they're right. making more money. Uh, worked in IT. And then I went back to school to be a teacher. It just took me a lot longer this time because I went part-time for school instead of like going to school. I, I was you know, 22 or 23, and you think, I thought I should be making that big boy money. You know what I mean? Yeah. I, I didn't, well, so I was like, yes, I want to work full-time. Both of my parents work in the hospital. Um, so my parents got me a job working evenings as a janitor, uh, which really wasn't a bad gig, uh, doing janitorial work at the hospital while I, went, while I went to school during the day and just kind of chipped away yeah. going part. Well, first I went to a community college to save myself some money, and that was easy, going like full-time, we're working, going to school full-time, we're working full-time. And then went to St. Joseph's, which not the one in Pennsylvania, the one in uh, Long Island, a little more rigorous. And that's when I switched to going like part time. I just took like two classes a semester, two classes over the summer, just chipped away at it. So it took me a little bit longer. Um, but yeah, I worked at the hospital for 11 years. Wow. Yep. So I, I've done all the dirty job, man. I've done nothing, like I said, not, not glamorous gigs. I've done, you know, working in restaurants and, and doing janitorial work. And of course, I don't know if you guys know I did stand up comedy. I think I mentioned. A I few did. Times. I have heard that, and that I didn't want to. If you wanted to, talk oh, you about could. It, you guys, you could ask me anything you want. Yes, I, I did stand up comedy. I wouldn't call that a career or a job because you really don't get paid for it. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, we when you do when you start running your own shows, you get paid. Um, I opened up my own nonprofit, my four hundred C, my four hundred one CB or four hundred three B. I forgot what the nonprofit's called the name for, it, but I. Opened up a nonprofit organization where we would do fundraisers for like all the local community organizations, Knights wow. of Columbus, American Legion Hall. Uh, we did a few fundraisers for colleges. Uh, the Hibern Ancient Order Hibernians was like the Irish version of uh, of the, the uh, Knights of Columbus. Not that one's exclusively Italian and one's exclusively Irish, but yeah, Knights of Columbus are generally Italian and the Hibernians are Irish. Oh, Hibernians really are exclusively Irish. The Hibernians are, are definitely exclusively Irish. Um, I would do the the Wounded Warrior Project because I had to do their community, you know, okay. their community stuff. So we'd pick like, we'd always pick an organization that we can get beyond. So the war was going on in Iraq and Afghanistan just kind of was heating up over there. So we did like the Wounded Warrior Project. That was huge. So we do a lot of fundraisers for them. We would do like Toys for Tots. And we would just do our fundraisers and like 100% of the money of the door um, went to the cause. And then we divvy up like the, the bar whatever the, you know, a percentage of the bar went to the cause, a percentage went to the paying the comedians, a percent, and then I had an auctionist. Like, I didn't just do shows. I would do events. Really? That was my thing. I said, like, I didn't do comedy shows. I'd do events. So we would have, like, a DJ. I'd have it catered. Um, I had a Frank Sinatra singer one time. And my friend did auctions. Uh, my friend Mark Zacharin used to own a store, uh, a record store in, in the East, East Village in Manhattan. Um, wow. It was called It's Only Rock and Roll. But then as the 90s kind of came in and the internet gave, you know, 80s and 80s gave way to the 90s and, you know, Amazon and online shopping, he moved his store online. Huh. And, but he started doing auctions. So he did eBay and Amazon, but he would just, so he'd raffle off rock and roll memorabilia and he knew everybody. So he would get tickets. He knew all the, the, the public PR people, the public relations from like, so I was in New York. So the Mets, the Yankees, Rangers, so he'd get Mets tickets, Islanders tickets, Rangers tickets. He got, we got um, skydiving tickets. Um, he, he would just get like huh. the <laughs> gift certificates from restaurants. And what he would do is he would auction them off at the community for the, um, for the charity. And then it would be like 50% of that would go to the, we had like a system so that that way the comedians got paid. We got paid. And then, yeah. you know, comedians always, the deal was comedians always drank free at the bar, whatever the case yeah, is. Yeah. And then like, so we made sure everyone got paid. And that's really how I made money in comedy was 
I would get paid more off the auction. Like, you know, a certain percentage went to the cause. Mostly 100% of the door we owe ticket sales always went to the cause. And then I, I would make my money. Again, really not much of a job, but just like a little side hustle and something I did for fun and used, would mm. do for free anyways. Right. Um, so I did that for a little while. Um, speaking of which, I want to ask you guys about, about getting, are you guys incorporated or, or LLC, S-Corp, anything? No. <laughs> no, we're not. This is all... Mm-mm. I gotta get. You, I gotta talk to you guys about that. We should do an episode on that. Again, opening your own business. This is all tax write-offs. Microphones a tax write-off. Your yep. laptops a tax write-off. All of your merch that you're buying. Because what I understand, I had to take go off on my tangent, hijack the conference. But all of the merch you're buying too, that's all write-offs. Like you guys are purchasing merch instead of like taking the orders and then putting the placement for the merch. You guys are just buying it in bulk and having an inventory, right? No. Is so we actually get it. So there's a company called. Are we allowed to say the company? Yeah, yeah. Printful. Uh, it's called Printful. Okay. So this is where you can just literally customize your own logo, whatever, and just put it on pretty much and anything. Pretty much anything, apparently. Yeah, yeah. they have like get... a bunch of stuff. And yeah. We can, you can but they're based in, uh, here in Charlotte. Yeah, so. they are based here. And yeah. so we were just like, okay, we'll use that, and we'll, we'll make our logo, whatever. And then we use Shopify, and then we like put all the stuff on Shopify – and so when someone goes online and buys something on Shopify, Shopify content's Printful, and Printful will count or will print however many or whatever they ordered and just okay. send it straight to them. So it's kind of hands-free on our part. We just have to pay a fee for Shopify. Very cool. Every week. But, e- but even that fee is a tax write-off. Really? On yeah, that's interesting. Yeah. Yep. Huh? I was I, I wondered that. I was like, I wonder if you guys were actually um, you know incorporated or had a S corp. It's called an S corp. It's business. funny you were, you're saying that because I uh, was thinking about doing that specifically for. Kind of like the TikTok that I have. Yeah. Um, and so then, you obviously, you like tax write-offs and stuff. And I know um, someone that was actually talking to me about that. We were, we were probably going to try to do that. So that'd be pretty Very cool. Interesting. Your internet for connection, sure. the gas for your gas prices are through the roof right now. Gas in your car because you need gas to travel here and there. Right, your your yeah. car payment. Yo, this is how like the rich get richer and the wealth, you know, the, the poor get poor, the wealthy. Like everything's a tax write-off. Like Jeff Bezos just got billions of dollars from Amazon because he writes off everything. You're, if you have employees, your, your employee salary is a tax write There's like, And you can write off so much stuff. Huh. Uh, we'll talk more about that later because I don't right. want to hijack your, the, the whole episode talking yeah. about that. But yeah, man. Yeah, uh, so circling back to the uh, stand-up comedy and the community, <laughs> like all that stuff, I didn't know that you did that. That's really interesting. So yeah. you, you didn't know I was a funny guy? From no, the- I, knew, I knew you didn't know. I knew you were a funny guy, but I didn't know that your stand-up, it wasn't just like going, because I, I know a lot of comedians start just going to bars and stuff like that and yeah. doing stand-up there. Doing open mics. Yeah, so yeah. you kind of started your own nonprofit. Did you do it all by yourself, or did you have a group of people? I, I, I had a mentor who, who kind of, everything I'm t- telling you guys about starting your own business now, what kind of mentored me. I just got lucky. Mm-hmm. Um, so I started doing open mics, and it's very hard to get what's called passed at a club. You go on like your auditions, right? And if you get passed or if a guy likes you, but there's, you have to, like, play the game. You have, like So you go to the bar, you go to a comedy club, right? And you do the open mic, and you do the open mic, and you do what's called bringer shows. You have to bring people because no one's going to come to see you if you just put your name on the marquee, right? So you got to, like, bring your own audience, invite friends. But after a while, all your friends and family are sick of seeing you a thousand times at sport, right? So then you got to, you know, level up, and you start hosting the open mics. Now, hosting pays a little bit more. And, and you there's a ladder, right? You go up the thing, or, and you do what's called being a hangout. Like, even if you're not performing, you just hang out just to get seen, right. just to network. Um, and eventually, a friend of mine, he started, he was in a band originally, started to drop that. I don't advocate for dropping at a high school. He got lucky. 
Dropped out of high school, started a band, but he ran his band like a business. Again, he had a mentor, right? right. Who kind of told him like, hey, like it's playing music is second. Like playing music is great, but if you want to make money doing your craft, practicing your craft, like practicing and performing, that's like the payoff. That's like the small amount. Something like doing stand-up comedy, like getting stage time and making people laugh. Yeah, you do that for free, and at first it's cool that people are laughing at you, but after a while you want to get paid, right? right. That's like famous people who are like, they complain about people bootlegging their music on. It used to be Napster and then LimeWire yeah. and then uh, with Spotify, people use now, right? Or whatever. So for bootlegging music and not getting paid, you think, well, you're a musician. People listen to music and you're listening to your music. Aren't you just happy that you. But yeah, it's cool at first, but you want to get paid eventually, right? right? Yeah. So he ran his band uh, like a business and he was the businessman. His band just cared about playing the music. But if you just keep playing music, and that's one horrible piece of advice people give you, we'll just keep getting up there and performing. That's like when you're getting up there, I get it. You have to you have to be good. You have to have something to back up your 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 product and your brand. But like you guys are developing a brand, Soggy Pancakes. That's yeah. your brand, right? right? And doing these interviews, this is like the cool part. This is like the payoff yeah. that you enjoy doing. You do it for free, mm-hmm. right? But then like you're selling merch. That's advertising, marketing and advertising. That's freaking brilliant what you guys are doing, okay? Because now you're yeah. advertising, you're promoting. That's why I wear your, your hoodie and stuff around. Like I'm yeah. going to the grocery store, I'm wearing it because it's a conversation piece. What is Soggy Pancakes? Oh, man, these are my two of my students started a, pan, uh, a podcast. You should go check it out. You know what I mean? And stuff like that. So when you guys are rocking your merch, that's advertising and promote, you know, promotion. And that's, you know, again, tax write-off stuff. So huh. point being was when you're in a band, you have, like, your logo and your stickers and everything else. So he was telling me about, like, start your own company. Like, why are you trying to get a, a approval from other comedy clubs? Why are you trying to get accepted by them when, like, you can just start your own thing? So he started his own band, did that, became very, very successful. The only thing he was the only one pulling the weight and doing the business part, doing interviews and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And like radio shows don't just call you up for interviews. And like magazines, when you get like um, um, press releases and stuff like that, people think that like People Magazine or, or Rolling Stone Magazine, I don't know what the cool magazines are today. I don't know, Cosmopolitan, I'm just rambling, rambling you know, or online blogs. You have to reach out to them. They, like every famous band has a PR person. Right. And you get your own press release. Like you write your own press releases and send it in to them and they'll publish it because you're doing the work for them. They don't reach out to you. You have to like be very proactive. Like Aerosmith, right? Well, I don't know if you guys know Aerosmith. It was a famous band in the right. 70s, 80s, 90s. One of my favorite bands. I've seen them like seven times, right? Um, I use them as an example. Or even Motley Crue, again, another band from the 80s. Um, they did their own marketing. This guy, Nikki Six, the bassist, was like their business guy. Uh-huh. Like he didn't wait for people to come to him. You have to be like proactive and like write your own press releases, write right. your own merchandise. And so he got me into, long story short, starting my own business and mentored me on like, hey, man, you don't just go to a lawyer or an accountant. You get what's called an escort, a small business or a DBA doing business as. There's a couple different options you can do to get get yourself a business. Um and he basically told me how to open up my own nonprofit. Um, and the best part about nonprofit is you, it's, you know, you're doing it for a good cause. Right. Um, told me about tax write-offs and like a bunch of other tax laws and a bunch of like, I don't want to say loopholes, but things like, you know, um, you, you never notice exceptions. That, except like, yeah. okay, a lot yeah. of businesses and clubs or, or adult establishments or whatever you want to call them. You ever notice they close up shop after a couple of years and they, they open up the same building will open up as, under a different name. Yeah, I have noticed okay. that. Okay. The IRS can't audit you for the first five months of opening your business. You don't have to make a profit your first five years of business. So uh, the IRS won't audit you. 
okay? Which means you can do pretty much whatever you want in that five-year period. And then as soon as um, that five years is up, that's when they are allowed to, or you're allowed to be what's called, I guess, in the red, like losing money, right? Because you just started your business. Like most, most companies lose business. Well, when they go out of business, if they're losing business, they don't do well, they'll fold after five years. Mm-hmm. All that money they lost, they chuck, chuck up all their money they lost, guess what? That's a tax write-off. And they get that money back. And this is what all these famous people do. You know. They get all that money back? Yeah, so when you hear like, back in my day, 50 Cent was a big rapper and Dame right. Dash worked with Jay-Z, right? They're like, oh, 50 Cent and Dame Dash are bankrupt. You really think that means they have no money? Yeah. No, it just means their company folded, so they bankrupt their company. They still have that because the, the, the United States government looks at your business and you as a person as two separate entities. Like Pepsi-Cola, they look at Pepsi as a human being. So when right. you do your taxes for the Pepsi Corporation, it's like a human, another human being. They don't look at it as just some fugazi, fugazi, right. you know, a, a, a soda can. So it's an actual person. And that's how the, the individual, like Donald Trump, people say, oh, he's bankrupt. No, his companies went bankrupt, but he's, his, his, you're protecting your own assets. And that's what an LLC is, a limited liability, and different, there's different levels to it. So Donald Trump isn't broke, right? His companies might have went bankrupt and didn't do well, but guess what? Him as an individual person is still protected. So if someone mm-hmm. sues Donald Trump, they don't really sue him. They're suing whatever company okay. they're working for. So there's stuff you can do like protect yourself. Right. Um, so he gave me like a real boot camp, a real intensive. I just worked with him. And yeah, I just eventually opened up my, my own nonprofit doing that. And that's kind of how I, I learned so much because he had already went through it himself. Now he opens up a business consultation firm where it's the, he was again... He did, he was in a band and they toured all over Canada and the United States and they were like a really progressive rock type band. Then he got into theater and he was doing his own theater shows and did a bunch of, a bunch of Shakespeare stuff and Broadway and all that. And then got into stand-up comedy and then he eventually just started doing business consultation, specializing in entertainment. Because a lot of entertainers, they're artists, right? They don't really, they do their art for fun. It's just part of their passion. What they don't realize is that like in order to get paid, you have to have like a business mind. And that's why they talk about the struggling artists. A lot of artists don't become successful because they're not doing the business end. They just keep doing their art, which is great if that's something you enjoy doing. But if you want to make money on your art, you have to do the business end. And that's the part that stinks that nobody wants to do. Right. Because it's tough to do. It's labor intensive. Yeah. And it's honestly, it's aggravated. That's the part that stinks. That's the not fun part. Right. That's that's like your art is what you enjoy. This is your art. Us having the conversation around your podcast. You enjoy this part. The other part is like boring, monotonous. It's up, it's down. You know what I mean? Like you lose a connection, your network. And it's like, it's actual, it's a job. You have to look look at it as a job. When people look at their art and once their art goes from being an art to being a job, that's when they're like, I don't want to do this anymore. Right, right. Because it, this is no longer fun. I, I do stand-up yeah. comedy because it's fun. I play guitar because it's fun. I do a podcast and interview because that's fun. The business part is like, it's a job and you have to run it like a job. Right. Yeah. So he told me that and I eventually, I, I did okay. Again, it was just a little side hustle. Um, you know, I, I was really doing fun stuff I do for free anyway. And it's almost like teaching. Like you guys are talking, you know, circling back to how it's tied to teaching like this is the, the classroom part hanging out with you guys that's like the fun part right and talking trash in class and cracking jokes and making learning fun but like there's a ton of other stuff that like i always tell my you know my students i feel bad sometimes and i keep on at the clubs i enjoy doing for fun coaching i enjoy doing but there's other like administrative duty stuff i do i'm pretty much an administrator that doesn't get paid administrative wages you know what i mean right, yeah. i'm like the shop steward for all the all the um 
all the faculty. It's the FAC, Faculty Advisory Committee. So I, I do that. I was the union rep. We don't really have a union down here in North Carolina. We have the NCAE, North Carolina Associate of Educators, NCAT, which is some association of teachers, and another a bunch of stuff. So one of the unions, I was like the building rep for that. And that's like, you know, boring stuff. You got to go to the meetings. School improvement team, again, stuff for school improvement, but I still have to like go to a meeting at six o'clock. My day's not like when you're six o'clock, you just want to be like relaxing, eating dinner. I have to go to a meeting. You know, there's other, yeah, yeah, there, yeah. there's other like a nonsensical administrative stuff that's like, and I don't have to do it. I do it because I love doing it and I want to help you guys out. But right. for a while, it kind of like takes away from the classroom. It takes away from my joy and I'm burnt out and exhausted and I can't have as much fun with you guys as I would like to. Right. You know. That makes sense. Yeah. Very interesting. So like my first year meeting you guys, there was like zero pressure on me because I was a new student, like new, not a new student, new te- not new teacher to the building. I'd been teaching. That was my sixth year teaching. That was your sixth year. Yeah. Teaching. But again, okay. it was very like carefree for me because I didn't have any other responsibilities and I like be myself and be loose and like have fun. And you guys made it fun because you gave it right back to me and played along, but we still got work done. It was just, yeah. Oh, yeah. It, it was, was, it was good times. That was a great class. I remember that. I really miss it. Yeah. It was fun. That was a great year. That's that's really not really when I realized like this is what I'm so. But that's that's when I had that moment. Like, yeah, this is it for me. This is yeah. really because I've been through some other schools. We're not going to mention names. Where yeah, even though I love teaching and love doing it, it was like it was pretty brutal. Gotcha. You know, people yeah. talk about our school of you know, um, you know what goes on. Um, but I mean, you just, uh, there's so many other places that we don't even know. Yeah, that are just <laughs> yeah. Do you have any crazy teacher stories? I I, I know you got some. I, I, <laughs> I'm trying to think of like what my crazy and I'm, and I'm, I don't want to get mention the school. I guess I accidentally mentioned our school doing it. You know, the, the, the IG we'll pod, it, yeah. yeah, we'll figure it out. The IG. I was trying to give them some props, whoever it was, and, and give them some encouragement for doing their thing. Um, so when you're a coach in North Carolina, things are a little different. We know from New York and North Carolina, you know, the South. Uh, when you get your, your coach, you have to get what's called your CDL, your commercial driver's license, to drive the bus to the events. Right. In, in New York, they just have the bus drivers who drive after school, after school you know, events, and you, you, yeah. you get the bus driver, and they get the little stipend to get paid extra. But it's more cost-effective to pay for the coach, to have the coach pay to get their CDL mm-hmm. and drive the bus than it is to hire other bus, mm-hmm. bus driver their regular wage, right? So, excuse me. And once you have your CDL... You can always ask them, oh, can you drive for field trips? Can you do this? Right, right, That's right, the, right. The one good, the teachable moment I tell my, my kids today, because I'm now in teaching Avid and Ape, don't ever let anyone know how smart you are, or in my case, how hard your, how good your work ethic is, because yeah. they just pile more stuff onto you and expect more from you. Yeah. So once I had my CDL, I'm like, cool, I'm going to drive for rugby. But then like, oh, hey, tennis doesn't, their coach says, can you drive for tennis? Oh, we have a field trip. And like, it would be cool, like, field trips, like, get out of work for the day. Yeah. But it's like, I still had to drive, and, like, I had to drive stuff for professional development sessions at the beginning of the year for teachers. Um, point being is I had my seat at my seat. I know I give very long-winded explanations, but got to get into it. So, anyway, I had to drive my, I had to drive the bus for rugby. And if you guys know about rugby players, they're, like, a pretty wild group, right? Yes. So... I, it was like me leading this pack of, of rugby players. And I don't know if it's like a real, like a crazy, a, <laughs> a crazy story, but I had to drive the bus, and sometimes it was like it was. It got pretty wild. Um, like we'd get lost sometimes. Oh, great! Um, I couldn't close the door. One of the buses, the door wouldn't close on me. Like so I'm like cruising down the highway, with the door <laughs> open. I'm like guys, sit all the way in the back. Don't sit up front. I don't want to. What you guys get? Get sucked out. <laughs> it's like an airplane. <laughs> yeah, like an airplane. Yeah. So we would have, but but we would have like fun road trip stories. Like it was just fun. Um, do you guys remember like the HB two law, the bathroom law? 
about when there was like the trans people can use use any bathroom right. they want. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we'd go on like we'd go on trips, and it would be like an entire group of us trying to go to the bathroom at a gas station, right? Yeah. And so like sometimes you just have to use the ladies' bathroom. So we'd yeah, do it yeah, yeah. Like so that was like that was a really funny story. <laughs> was like they were all messing with me because I was like, guys, I, I, I listen. Forget about this HB2 law. I'm using the women's bathroom. Whatever yeah. the case was, and I, I gotta go. We made, yeah, we made a joke about that, and then um, we showed up, and uh, well, there's two, two good stories about this, I suppose. So, I work with a lot of it. I hate that this is. I don't. It's it's not a racist thing. It's actually pretty funny. Everyone knows I love everybody. As I crack jokes about race and sexism jokes. It, I'd be I'm inappropriate on purpose because everyone knows I'm being yeah. tongue in cheek and I'm joking around. I'm Mr. T. I crack jokes. You can crack jokes on me about being fat, bald, middle aged, whatever the case. I don't really <laughs> care. But I'm saying that's why everyone knows. Like I'm joking around when I say those things. I'm not being serious. So we're, we're coming back from a tournament one day in Southern Pines. And we're all really hungry, but we stopped to get dinner. So we stop at like a CC's pizza. Yeah. Right? <laughs> but we stop at a CC's pizza and oh, actually I have a third story now. This one's even better. Okay. We stop at a CC's pizza and it's a it's a very, a very Caucasian area. A yeah, very right. southern, you know, yeah, and, and like so we walk, we pull up, and I look at who's inside. And I'm just at the school I was at was a very, you know, inner city school. Yeah, uh, yeah. You know, so I have this this entire bus full of a bunch of rowdy young African American males who are ready to just wild out and have a good time, right? Yeah. So I'm like, listen, guys, and it's, I, I said it as a joke. I said, you do me a favor, don't drop the end bomb. Don't cry. Like, I had to give yeah. him a time before he walked in the CC's pizza. Keep in mind, these are like high school kids. And I <laughs> yeah. Have to, like, guys, listen, don't drop the end bomb. Don't curse. Listen, basically, just don't go off walking there scaring all these white people away. You know what I mean? <laughs> and, you know, it was so, it was mwah, because I, 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 I'm i I'm not racist. I hate everybody equally. I hate white people more than anybody else. And yeah. I know. I'm kidding. I'm not really. But the look on these white people's faces when I pulled up with an entire bus and a bunch of young black yeah. just jumped out, they were like, their jaws dropped. And I'm like, yo, they're scared already, guys. Look at them. Like, seriously, don't mess with them. Like, don't, don't, you know, don't try to, try to, you know, just calm yourselves down. <laughs> and they were, they were pretty well behaved, but they, they get a little bit rowdy. So right. that, that was just so funny saying, like, you know, and they were like getting into it, like, oh, look, no, she's scared already. Look at her. Like, you can tell women, we're like, oh, it's time to the pain, all this stuff. So another funny story. We go to a rugby tournament in Wilmington over the summer, Cape Fear, the Cape Fear Sevens. It's oh, like you can yeah. play 15 on 15 rugby or seven on seven. So the, the tournament style is sevens because they faster play a game and it's a shorter right. game. You only have seven people on the field, seven versus seven. So um, we got campgrounds. We camped out instead of getting hotels because it was more cost effective. So we go to the Carolina Beach State Park for the campgrounds and we camped wow. out there. But right next to it, adjacent to it, it's called the Carolina family campgrounds and when i tell you these people were family these people were all cousins okay yeah. were, all right they were like confederate <laughs> flags flying in the open right i'm saying these people were what i'm white and i was afraid to be there okay? that's, how, that's how white these people were and when it said family like oh these guys are family they're definitely all related yeah no, no question about these people so i pull up and i call up the other coach who was from another school at the time in our, in our area he's the one who booked this and I'm ready to curse him out. So I'm like, yo, you know I'm rolling with how many kids I'm rolling with. And you book us, decide to book at this place because yeah. he's a real southern redneck, whatever type dude. So I think he probably thought nothing of it. And I'm like, I got to stay the night here. So I pull up. We find out. Thank God we find out we're at the wrong campgrounds. Oh, okay. So I'm driving around. I'm not even in the bus. We didn't take a bus. We, I packed everybody in my car. Everyone just took cars. 
So I've got like five or five or six kids in my car, and I'm driving around, and I'm going, yo, guys, we ain't going to make it through the night if we stay here. <laughs> and I, I'm serious. I mean, Confederate flags wide out in the open. Yo, it was crazy. And I'm even, I even cracked the same joke. I said, guys, I'm white, and I'm afraid to be here right yeah, now, especially yeah. with a car full of young black kids right now. I said, yo, listen, I'll make you guys a deal. And it was like a big loop when you go into the, into the right. camp. Uh, to the campground, so I'm like, yo, listen, man, steak dinner tonight. I'll make y'all a deal. If one of y'all get out and you can run and make the entire loop without getting caught, without getting, I, I, we joked around and said some other inappropriate things. You can use your imagination. Yeah. I don't want to get to it. They, they knew I was joking around. They knew I loved them. That's the thing. Like, I can make jokes like that because everyone knows I do other stuff to, right. like, you know. But I said, listen, man. Steak dinner tonight. I said, which one to use the fastest? If you can get out and run the entire loop without getting caught. And the crazy thing was there was like barbed wire on the fences, like around the surrounding uh -uh. the place. I'm like, yo, y'all nah. can't even jump a fence and get out. Y'all are yeah. caught in here if yeah. you get caught. And I'm like, yo, we'll give you a time. We didn't do it. And we ended up. But that was like a, a funny story, like yeah. a weird thing. Um, a lot of stories <laughs> driving the bus. What was the other funny one? Oh, this one really isn't funny. It was the same concept. We go to all these like really southern rural places to play rugby, rugby that's going to be yeah. tournaments because it's a really bunch of good old boys. And we pull up to a Bojangles and I go to the bathroom right away. And they're like waiting in line. Of course, some guys got to say, you know, well, y'all don't look like no rugby team or something like yeah. that. I had to walk out. I'm like, no, nah, actually, they are a rugby team. I'm there. And all of a sudden, like everybody was ready to jump on my guys. And I was like, no, they're with me. And I'm like, they are. <laughs> it was it was a stupid, not yeah, really a funny story, but it was like, I can't believe in this time and era, you know, this era and time we live in, that there's still that kind of like yeah. racism that goes on, and I almost end up having to fight an entire freaking Bojangles full of guys <laughs> with no teeth and good old boys who probably were carrying at the time. Yeah, trying to think, what are the crazy stuff? So the first school I was at, man, trying to think of some crazy stories here. I mean, we had the gas leak. Well, it's funny, my first year here. Like, yeah. Trips like that, we've never. I've never done a trip like that in high school. Yeah, what we, do you mean? I've you know, never all been of our, out. Like our swim meets and my golf matches and your soccer games, like they've all been either here, been or, local. Yeah, very yeah. local. These were just well. These are tournaments we signed up for out of our league. I so you did. Dude, so that was out of the school. Yeah. That was that, was that really wasn't for the school. Yeah, it wasn't like in our our schedule. We purposely. Signed up for the tournaments just to get the kids more exposure, and that's good. That's we good. Were, like, yeah, we've, we've never. I've never done that. I guess for I soccer know. though, we were gonna do um, some college. Um, what was it? I don't know. Uh, it was like some training camps. I guess okay. the best yeah. way. And like you stay overnight for like a week. Right. And you you, go to that. That's yeah, a, yeah, you yeah. get a taste of what it's like to be away. And, and we were gonna do that, but because of COVID, we weren't right. able to, which yeah. is a big bummer. But I yeah. wonder because that's the only opportunity I think I've had. I know for swim we couldn't really do anything like that, but golf I guess we could try and do that. But that that yeah, golf is kind of individual type thing, and those tournaments like that. But I mean that makes sense for rugby though. That yeah, we had fun. rugby tournaments. Yeah. yeah, and I'm trying to think like I have other funny. A lot of them are related around sports and athletics. Like this was my <laughs> first year coaching wrestling. And, like, that was a lot of fun. There were just some moments. I'm trying to think, like, you're, you're trying to think, like, crazy classroom stories as a teacher or stories like conf confrontations with students. Oh, man. I'm trying to think of, like, a good, a good teacher story that's, like, really, okay. Yeah, I mean, y'all think things get wild here. Because um, we had the gas leak here, right? Yeah, the gas leak. We've had other, other instances yes. where we made the news for. Um, I had the thing that the rest. I don't even saw my thing on direct. The, uh, I was. I made the news for wrestling. Really? I was trying to do it was us and four of the schools in our community, and I was trying to do like a stop the violence type type deal between our schools and do like a community building thing. I was on um, Fox News. Not that that was like a crazy story, but um, that's really cool. Yeah. Um, 
Where was I going with that, though? Oh, so anyway, but we've had other crazy, though. I'm making the news. Um, we had some other stuff going on. We had COVID hit. Like, that was pretty wild. That wasn't. Yep. But my first school I worked at in our district here, it was like the Wild West. Mm-hmm. And when I first started, it was my first year teaching. And I was like, yo, this isn't the way teaching supposed. This is like what my high school was like. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um so there was some like there was some wild stories there. Um, like some kid almost got there was like a catwalk, like a second level. Some kid almost got thrown over, Oof. and I and I thought they were. I had to break up a wrestling match, but they were just wrestling, joking around wrestling, and like I didn't know if they were being serious or not. Some kid almost got picked up and thrown over. Oh my and we had God. to like jump in and save the kid from getting thrown over the second story. And <laughs> this <laughs> other teacher, crazy, yeah. Um, I'm trying to think of other um, funny stories from like my first year. Teaching at the school because it was so crazy. And then, like, the kids just getting up, walking around, trying to, like, they would just get up out of class. I'm trying to think of, like, one incident in particular. I can't think of anything right now. There's a, well, it's can, a, it's a, yeah, it's a can, culmination of stories, fights, like breaking up yeah. fights. Um, Have you broken up one here? Yes, I broke yeah. up. And the one that, yeah, the, the mainly that happened at the beginning of the year. I'm like, yo, I'm getting too fat and old to do this. When I first started teaching, yo, it was fun. Because I was like, they just got a, I was like 32. I'm just turned 40 now, not that I'm old. But I was like, it was exciting and it broke up the monotony day. So I didn't mind breaking up the fights. Now when fights goes on, I'm like, I'm just calling the office. I'm calling yeah, security. Is- I can't let a kid get stomped out. But yeah, when yeah. I, my first school, we broke up fights all the time. I'm trying to think there was something that had like... Something that happened the first year. We can always circle around back. Yeah, we can it. move on. I got Anyways, a, yeah. I got a good question for you. Oh sure. So you uh, you're talking about how you're from uh, up north. What yep. what brought you down here? Is there anything specific that brought you down? Like what was the the factor of coming from the New York area? Oh, uh, work. I'm from Long Island. They there was a there was um New York hadn't recovered from the recession back in like 2008. Gotcha. But, um, and there was a hiring hold, especially so. When I first graduated high school, and this is why I wanted to get into teaching too, um, the New York State Board, there were a bunch of teachers who were scheduled to retire. Mm-hmm. Okay. So there was going to be, they were hitting that 20 year and 25 bucks. So their projections, the data analysis up in New York, up in Albany, um, projected all these teachers are going to retire and they needed new teachers. They need to hire all these new teachers. So from 2000 to 2007, they did. They hired a bunch of new teachers in anticipation of other teachers retiring to replace them. Well, the recession hit. And a lot of those teachers who were supposed to retire didn't retire because their pensions didn't grow the way it was supposed to grow. Okay. Because mm-hmm. the, the, the stock market and stuff didn't right. grow. So now there was an overflooding of teachers. And I knew, oh, t- I knew okay. people I graduated with who were like still subbing. And I'm like, wait, what, how long have you been there? Like, oh, I've been subbing seven years. And I'm like, you're subbing for seven years as a substitute? Like, that? No, I'm getting a job straight out of college. I'm not doing a, being a substitute. And he had regular work as a sub and a, and a permanent sub. But, um, so there was a hire. It was like a perfect storm. It was like New York hadn't recovered there, so nobody was hiring on Long Island, especially. I could have maybe went up to upstate New York, but Long Island, nobody was hiring for teachers. Okay, so that's why there was a large influx of Northerners coming down here, like carpetbaggers. You learned about like the Civil War yeah. people who came from up north after after the Civil War, from Northerners who came after the Civil War to take advantage of economic opportunities. Um, so yeah, they just weren't hiring. And then the year I was doing my student teaching. I passed, there were three exams you had to take to be a teacher, plus two workshops. They implemented something called the EdTPA. If you know anyone who's going for teaching, North Carolina finally adapted it. But it was a $500 test to take. I passed all the exams, but I had to complete my student teaching within a certain deadline, and I didn't do that. 
which means I would have had to take the NTPA. And I'm like, whoa, whoa, whoa. I paid my money for all these other tests. I passed them. I jumped through all of your hoops and I got really mad. I was like, and now because I didn't finish my student teaching, like, why did you make me take all these other exams? Like, I, you know, I already passed. I should have got grandfathered in because I passed everything else. Yeah. I did my student teaching. So I didn't get certified in New York. And like, well, you could, instead of doing the NTPA, we'll give you a, I'm like, no, no, no. I'm not giving New York. It was a, a solicitation for money. It was a racket for money. Right. $500 to take an exam. And now it's a little bit cheaper. But New York, and it's a portfolio. And it had a bunch of other stuff in it. You had to do a video recording. And I'm like, you know, I, I'm not doing this. I'm like, I've had enough in New York. It's all New York is about. It's the money. Yeah. It really is. It, it's just a capitalist, you know, it's right. just the, the bureaucrats up there. That's all they, it's all about the bottom line. Yeah. And it's almost like you almost say you have to have money to survive in New York. It feels yeah, like. That's another thing, too, yeah. is that like, you know, I, I was born and raised in Long Island, but yet I can't afford to live alone. Even you know, the teachers get paid a little bit more in New York. So their salary looks better, but cost of living is more expensive. Right. Where down here, your your income, the cost of living ratio is a little bit better. It's all about that ratio. You know right. what I mean? So about how much you make here, your dollar stretches further down. Now things are getting more expensive in Charlotte, as we know, because originally everyone moved to Charlotte because of cost of living, right? right? It was just more cost effective. And now with supply and demand, now more and more people are coming. There's not enough homes. That was, so housing prices are going up. Right. So I got lucky in that spot. I caught the wave when I bought my place, my condo, whatever. So I lucked out in that, in that uh, sense. It was just a perfect storm of things that, I was born and again, born and raised in New York. I, never, I didn't really go away to college. Everything I stayed was local. My when I went to the tech school, it was like the next county over. So I moved yeah. out of my parents' house and into the next county. But that was local. St. Joseph's. At the time, I was I thought I was too old. The second time around, I was too old to go away to college, like 23, 24. Yeah. like the weird old guy in the college dorm. You know what I yeah, mean? Yeah, like, yeah. You know, um, I couldn't play sports. I wanted to wrestle, but I would have been too old to, to participate in any athletics. So St. Joseph's was local. My community college was, was when I first went there. It was local, St. Joseph's, and then I went to Grand Canyon University for my master's degree. But I did that all online, Grand okay. Canyon, based out of Arizona. I just saw it the first, for the, just saw my alma mater. I got my master's from the, for the first time last spring break oh, when yeah. it was my cousin in Arizona. Huh. And I'm like, yo, you mind if we stop by my my college, my university? I I went here, but I didn't go here actually. I didn't yeah. go for graduation. So, yeah, it was a lot. And that's why I went for my, my master's, too. And that, that kind of benefited me. Because by the time I got my bachelor's, people still weren't hiring. Like, All right, maybe I'll go for my master's. And by that time, things will open up. Okay. Um, but so, New York's just expensive, man. I couldn't, I couldn't even afford to live there anymore. It was just absurd yeah, right. to try and start over. Yeah, I gotcha. And so you went from, did you come New York to North Carolina? Or did you go to Arizona and then to North Carolina? I applied everywhere. No, no, I went from New York we're straight here in North Carolina. Like I said, okay. I, I never lived in Arizona. Oh, okay. So you I didn't went, live in you No, just no. I, I took, everything online. was on. That's why online, I pushed like yeah, Canvas yeah. online classes. And I'm kind of glad I did because when the pandemic hit, like we were prepared. Right. I okay. was doing Canvas way before online learning, way before the pandemic, only because, like I said, I knew once you go to college, online learning is going to be more and more prevalent, especially for your master's degree. Because gotcha. you're going to go for your bachelor's, get your career started. How are you going to work full time and then go to another building? So I knew online, w w there was going to be a transition to online learning. So yeah, I never actually went. I applied to Arizona and talked to all my professors to try and get me some opportunities. Gotcha. You know, but yeah, I looked at everywhere in the Carolinas, North Carolina, South Carolina, Jacksonville, Florida, for some reason. Florida is like my least favorite state in the union. But for some <laughs> reason, I probably like Jacksonville is a pretty city. And then I, I looked in Arizona just because I took my professors. Okay. And CMS was the first to call me back. I went to a career fair. Got okay. hard liquor right on the spot. That's great. So yeah, I knew they were hard. When I did my student teaching and I was I was talking to my mentoring teacher at the time, 
He just said, oh, go to Mecklenburg County. I didn't know that was Charlotte. I used to come visit here all the time, even before I moved here. My buddies lived down here. I have a few in Myrtle Beach. So we'd fly into Charlotte. We'd party here, party up on Lake Norman. Yeah. And then we'd take a road trip to visit my buddy and uh, my two, two of my friends in Myrtle Beach. So when he said Mecklenburg County, I was like, where's Mecklenburg County? I was like, oh, Charlotte. I know Charlotte. I come here all the time. So I, yeah. Yeah, I applied here. And that was that. Yeah, they were just the first to call me back and got hired right away. I knew I knew they were hiring, and they loved New Yorkers and or Northerners down here yeah. for work. Interesting. So, so, in I, I have another. Do you have a question? I have another question <laughs> for like the Long Island. Was it like it, I'm not really too familiar uh, from up there. Is it more like city life, or is it um, more like where you're living now here in North Carolina? It, it is now. It's more suburban. So when I say I'm from New York, everyone thinks New York City. Right. I lived right smack in the middle of Long Island, Farmingville, New York, uh, Suffolk County. If you look on a map, Farmingville is literally half an hour from the North Shore, half an hour from the South Shore, an hour from the Hamptons, and an hour from Manhattan. Mm-hmm. So I lived in very central Long Island. Um, but no, I, I, li- I lived in, in, in typical, stereotypical middle class, white suburbia, gotcha. you know, regular. You know, we were about as middle class as middle class can be. I mean, we weren't, you know. Because um, I've only, I've been in New York City that's the only time I've ever right. been. I've been there once, and I only like whenever someone mentions New York, I think you tall, think tall buildings. Yeah, and everybody know. does. So when you you could say you're from New York, and you'd be like from upstate New York. Now, when you're from Long Island, Westchester is like the last stop. I think anything of Westchester, anything north of Westchester is Canada. So when people yeah, tell me they're from like Syracuse, Albany, Buffalo. I'm like, you're not from New York. You're from Canada. Yeah, you're just trying to live <laughs> yeah. off the New York name. You yeah. Know? Um, but no, Long, Long Island is very, it's, um, you know, regular suburban, suburban area. It's not like big building. It's just a regular, like I said, middle-class white suburbia. Um, that That's that's about it. I mean, we had, you know, it was fun. We Again, all the beaches were half 20 minutes, half an hour away. That's Manhattan, nice. we always went to Manhattan. We hopped on the LIRR, Long Island uh, Railroad, and that was all, you know, we, we'd go to games out there and you know, have all sorts of, you know, shenanigans out in the city. And then in the, in the summertime, we'd party out in the Hamptons. So I really got the best of both worlds, and good luck living in it. That's why Long Island's so expensive. I, like literally, we're sandwiched in between two of the most expensive places, not in America, but in the world to live. You're sandwiched between Manhattan, like good luck living there, and the Hamptons, obviously. You know, so Long Island, it was just kind of like it's impossible to live there. The people used to move to Long Island from the city in Brooklyn. Like a bunch of immigrants came into Brooklyn, built themselves a living, did a generation there. Then that generation, my parents' generation. Uh, Moved that to Long Island because Long Island used to be very rural. It used to be all potato farms yeah. and stuff like that. Even my grandfather, or, or I'm sorry, my uncle, when he first moved to Long Island, like the road stopped. There was like a farm. He used to take his horse into town. So Long Island yeah. was like very rural, but then all of a sudden, all everyone moved from the city to Long Island and turned Long Island into what Charlotte's becoming now. Charlotte used to be very rural. Right. Even before you guys, it was very country. Now Charlotte's like stepping into a time machine. It's very progressive. Yeah. I mean, the rest of North Carolina is still what it is. Um, but yeah, that was it as far as Long Island. I mean, again, we got in all sorts of regular trouble that you get into as teenagers yeah. and kids and played hockey in the streets and football and played so all sorts of sports. Was and hockey the sport you kind of grew up on? Being up north? Yeah. Yeah. Hockey, wrestling. Wrestling was my main sport. I was like both professional wrestling and collegiate style wrestling. Yeah. Uh, and then, yeah, we played street hockey was a big thing. Roller hockey. Um, that's because we used to play roller hockey when we were younger, but like we never really got into it because there wasn't anywhere that you could right, really you like, could play. Yeah, you could play. We did. Um, I grew up playing basketball. That's what I played. Basketball. No, I never got any good at it, but that's what <laughs> and I lacrosse. Like, in, if you were born along, you were born with a lacrosse stick in your hand. Lacrosse is huge in the Northeast, which is why another reason why 
a lot of Northerners are coming down here. They would get scholarships at all these schools that, down the South and Midwest. I have heard that. Because lacrosse isn't big down here. Lacrosse is huge in the Northeast. Yeah. In, in Massachusetts, Long Island, uh, Maryland, you know, but, uh, um, where John Hopkins and stuff like that. But even in Maryland, it's not, like, we don't have high school programs down here. You notice that? Like, yeah. certain schools do, that, you know, but that's, but the reason why we have the high school programs in those particular schools mm-hmm. is because all of those people, I guarantee you, are from Long Island. And yeah. they moved down and bought lacrosse with them. Lacrosse, it was was as a very was very big. Yeah, um, I've heard about and like also in Jersey. Uh, yeah, Jersey field hockey is pretty big too. Yes, women's field hockey. Yeah, that was really big. Yeah. I heard I've heard of um, our friends. Their families originally from yeah. Jersey, and they've had a couple people come down with scholarships yeah. for field hockey. Yep. So like, we don't have field hockey here. Uh, yeah. So again, that that's uh, yeah. Things certain things up north. Again, like rugby. I didn't play rugby in high school, but that was big up up in like it's more college sports. That's yeah. rugby was more of a college thing, and I just find it interesting that, that you're just from being up north. It's just completely, it's not completely different, but fairly different. Like we it's, didn't, I didn't really know anyone who played like hockey or yeah. um, rugby or yeah. those kind of things. Well, ice hockey is obviously huge. That's in Boston, Minnesota, right. Wisconsin, you know, those and you're, like, states right next like to that, and New York, Canada, yeah, right too. next to Canada. Yeah, so Buffalo. Uh, SUNY Plattsburgh, SUNY, SUNY is like the UNC system, right? State, yeah. State University of New York, whatever, you know, like almost like saying UNC Greensboro, UNC Charlotte, you know, UNC, whatever. Um, yeah, Plattsburgh, you're like a celebrity if you play hockey up there. Yeah. Because it's right next to Canada and you're pretty much guaranteed. Yeah, just so, so that was, you know, um, but it's really not that. I mean, every four to five people I meet down here are from New York, or the I, Northeast I, I, somewhere. I do agree. Yeah, it's a hotbed for people from like Pittsburgh. <clears throat> It's yeah. a hotbed for people. Charlotte's a hotbed for people from like Pittsburgh, Jared, New York, um, Ohio. I mean, my stuff dad's like from that. Pittsburgh. Yeah. So I mean, yeah, and a lot of other, a lot of other students are from New York too. Yeah. What part of New York your family from? Buffalo. Well, yeah. So you're from Canada. You're not yeah. really from New York. You're from Canada. <laughs> you're the, you're the one of the people I was referring to earlier. <laughs> yeah, but so. So yeah, it's it's you know things things are changing. Like 77 is turning into the LIE, the Long Island Expressway. We're like, I moved down here to get away from the traffic. Yeah, and it it's exponentially keeps growing. What's that? It's coming back down to you. Yeah, it is. And expo- everything just followed the New York, the Northerners. We came, again, it's almost like Long Island. I'm telling you the story about people moving from NYC to Long Island to, to be a little more relaxed in country. But then they've just turned Long Island into a lot of Manhattanish qualities, like New York, uh, NYC, Brooklyn, Queens, yeah. Manhattan. Quality. The same thing with down here. Like everyone moved down here because of the low cost of living, because of no traffic, because yeah. of the more laid back living, you know, style of living. And now all of a sudden, there's traffic. It's expensive as hell to live down here. Um, you know, all, all the all the bad qualities that we were trying to get away from are now bringing down. Yeah, here. they're coming down here. So interesting. Yeah. Well, that's very guys. Interesting. Have any more questions for me? I am good. Good. Yeah. Thanks Good. for coming on. Oh, not a problem. It. Thank you very much again, guys. It was an honor and a privilege to be invited on. Again, I hope that was entertaining and at least mildly amusing. For our guests to I listen to, oh, yeah. very interesting. Oh, we're good. <laughs> it was good. It was good. I'm glad. Maybe we'll do a part two. You guys, yes, sir. Absolutely. Absolutely. Maybe sometime before you guys leave, man. Like I said, I'm really gonna miss you guys. I really am. Have been emotional, very long emotional yeah. year, man. And a lot of it. So, man, I'd like to. Yeah, I'd like to. Uh, you know, come on again, and maybe we'll have some. Uh, we'll have some more fun and. Yeah. I think it's well, the stuff we'll we could do. We'll always have this episode. We'll always have this episode <laughs> to hold and to cherish, and I can always refer back to this. Yes. Yeah. If nothing else. Absolutely. Well, thank you very much, guys. I really appreciate it. Yeah. You, so sometimes we like to finish it where the guest says one word, and then we just. I was going to say, is there an end of? Yeah, is there a closing ceremony? Is there an end of? 
Just one word? Yeah, just one word, and then we, we turn it off. Any word? I'm like looking at paperwork. What's one word? Yugoslavia.